Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Evan Ross Katz, and I am without Sean today. Sean is out this week, so I have to have a guest co-host step in, and I will be out next week, so we'll have to have a guest co-host in for me. But if you can't have Sean and I, please uh, take this consolation prize because I I think it's one worth having, and it is uh, our guest today, which is a current player on this season of The Traders, we just recently had her on, but we didn't get enough time with her. And so please enjoy this extended interview, somewhat of uh, a recap of episode eight, some of zooming out on the traders and some, it goes in a lot of different places and hopefully you're along for the ride with me. All right. Without any further ado, uh, my interview uh, with two-time winner of Survivor, Sandra Diaz Twine. It's nice to chat with you after the most recent episode because I feel like there's much to discuss. I guess I want to start by asking you, do you watch the show with your family when it airs? Do you get screeners ahead of time? How are you watching the show? Um, I log into Peacock and about 10 minutes before nine o'clock when it drops, I press play. Sometimes my husband's with me. Sometimes he's not. And what is it like for you to watch the show as it's pieced together? I mean, the music, for instance, plays such a huge role in like building the drama of this show and just, you know, the way that this show is produced. It's like a it's like a nighttime soap opera. Um, so what's it like for you to watch it? Um, it's kind of weird because I was telling myself in yesterday's episode, I was like, I don't remember CT wearing that shirt. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. The things that I, I feel like everything is so fast, like I'm. I'm eating fast because I know Alan's going to come in and tell us we're going to do something. And then you only have but so much time to talk. And um, and the thing is that people don't realize until we get to the to breakfast, you haven't talked to anyone about game or strategy or anything like that. So it's been all night long that you've been waiting to see who got murdered. And for me, it's such a to be able to walk down to breakfast because I'm like, oh, my God, is today going to be the day? Like, I've never been first into the room. Never. I'm always towards the end. And that's why I always say, like, when Phaedra was like, "Uh, are there any boiled legs, eggs? Because I said legs. Are there any boiled eggs? Because by then, the one dozen boiled eggs they put on the table are gone. So right now, I'm focusing on eating really, really fast and seeing who got murdered. And it's it's really fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Were you surprised when you woke up uh, during this episode to find that Bergie had been murdered? I wasn't shocked that it was Bergie because I felt like he was on borrowed time. And he even said that, you know, they attempted to murder him before and it didn't work, um, which was, I feel like one of the mistakes that they made that the traders make. Like if you want to list mistakes, that's definitely one of them. Um, They could have easily gone for someone inside the castle and that was a missed opportunity. So that was an extra player still left in the game. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't shocked it was him. I'm shocked that Trishel is still around because Trishel, she speaks her mind. 
And um, she says what she means and she means what she says. And then there's like zero consequences. Yeah, I got to say from the viewer perspective, it was interesting because when it was Phaedra versus Dan, I felt like Dan couldn't really handle the intensity of Phaedra. But with Trishel, I feel like she can. And so it's really fun watching Trishel and Phaedra come to blows because they're both really powerful players in the game. Oh, yeah. And Phaedra even mentioned to me that the reason it hasn't crossed her mind thus far uh, to murder Trishel was because when they met at the beginning of the game, Trishel had told her, you know, about her history on the challenge and how she's never won. And so she kind of felt bad for her. So in a way, I think that Phaedra is trying to help her along. Um, but I don't feel like the love is mutual. Mm -hmm. um, because if, if I was a traitor and you're coming <clears throat> after me and you're saying my name, you could forget it. Like, I don't care. Like if my name's already out there, screw it. I'm taking you with me. Murder, murder, murder. <laughs> now, I, I imagine it's like hard to talk about this show because we just watched episode eight. So you're trying to jog your memory. I mean, we at least know that us audience, we know you're at least into episode nine. So you're constantly having to navigate how to talk about the show from a specific period of time. And then each week that passes, you could talk about more and more. Has that been hard for you when it comes to doing press like this? No, because in a way, Survivor is like that as well. Um, you have to be careful what you say. You don't want to spoil anything. And there's a lot of people that can appreciate not spoiling. So you don't want to give out too much information. And then they send us like toolkits about what to post. And in the spoilers, there we are at breakfast before the episode even airs. So in a way, we're just spoiling a little bit, but that's what they want us to post because they sent us a toolkit of what they want us to put on, on Instagram and Facebook and X. So we just, you know, you do what you're supposed to, but I try my hardest to just keep it going and not to spoil. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you mentioned this toolkit they send you. I know that social media is something that you seem to be increasingly more interested in. That's what you told me when we saw each other last. What's your relationship like with social media, would you say? I'm just trying to make sure that I post more because I kind of, and you can attest to this, I'll put my phone down and I won't pick it up. I put my phone down <laughs> like around nine this morning and I didn't pick it up until I thought, oh my God, I have an interview with Stephanie at two. And that was like at 2.30 and realized that I missed my 10 o'clock with you. So I think because Survivor and the traders take your phones away, I'm not so, and I've never been one to be glued to my phone. Um, I'm not one of those people every two minutes I'm looking at my phone when I go to sleep at like when I go to bed to watch TV, I put my phone down unless someone texts me, you know, um, but I'm trying to engage more people on social media and I don't read a lot of the comments. And I guess that's why I didn't end up on Trader season one, because had I read the comments, they were looking for me, uh, but I want there to be a balance in my life. Like I know everyone doesn't love me. I know I do have a lot of fans that care for me. So if you start reading every single comment, you'll just go down a rabbit hole, you know? So I just try to just post what I'm going to post. And then maybe I'll read one or two things and then keep it moving. So from like my corner of the internet, 
you are one of the most beloved characters to ever pop up on Survivor, win or not aside. That's a whole other superlative. Are you aware of that? Do you know? Because you say like, it's a combination of love and hate, which it very well may be. But I'm telling you, when I look at your name online, it's nothing but love. No, and then you, I don't know. You need to look in other places because everyone does <laughs> not love me. Let me tell you. And I know this. Um, and I always just say, if they really knew me, they'd like, you know what I'm saying? Like uh -huh. I try my hardest. But of course, there's other people where, oh, she's always sitting out. She's always this. She's always that, you know. Um, that's just how I play certain games on the traders. There is no sitting out. So because I don't have that option, I go in and try my hardest, you know, right. I even want a shield. Okay? You did. Yes. And what I was that like? So yeah, that was episode seven. And if I have this correct, Sandra, tell me if I'm wrong. You had never won an individual immunity challenge on survivor. So this really was a historic win for you. Yes. So on, and I think I came close one time in Heroes versus Villains when we had a little puzzle on, on a thing where you grab the thing and you do like this. And I was the first one to break my tile. But then when I had to go up the wall with the little um, hand things, Parvati and Russell ran up there like I never got off the ground. Um, and then I would always say, gosh, if they would just give me like something hard at first and then give me the puzzle at the end to where I can make it to the puzzle, I'll kill them. I'll murder them on any kind of puzzle. But, I, you know, it, it, it never happened. So when we did the challenge in the woods, Kevin was like, Sandra, you want to be my partner? And I'm like, Kevin, are you sure you want me to be your partner? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be with anyone else. And I was like, well, don't expect to win with me. And he was like, that's fine. We won't even run. And as we're sitting there, we were the last ones to participate. Our our run was the last and everyone goes and it takes like, we were there for hours. These woods are never ending. And um, the first team goes like on TV, you see everybody running around in different spots, but they constantly had to uh, re um, set up the net and the mud pit and all that stuff. And as we're hearing them screaming in the woods, we're thinking like, yeah, you know, they made it. They did it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, we would hear noises, but it sounded like screams of joy, not screams of um, of being caught in the nets and being thrown in the mud and a failure. And so we were like, screw it, Kevin. It's OK. We only got like a thousand dollars. No matter what happens, we'll be fine. We go into the woods. I answer all the questions. He's always looking for me for the answers. And I'm like, okay, it's this one. It's this one. It's this one. Like, I was good at the trivia. And then he's like, but run, run. And I'm like, but I'm running. Like, I'm giving my 100% at my rate of run, like my speed. And then at the end, I'm like, grab me, Kevin, because I'm like, we were going uphill. And we come across and they put us in this little room. It, it was cold out there that day. And it was raining on and off. And they put us in a tent and everyone is separated. So we don't know how the other people did. And then they call each group up, up, up. They line us up. Alan comes out. And that's when we found out that we had one. Like, it was a shocker. Wow. Didn't expect it at all, especially not against Parvati and John. Yeah, it was. But it's fun to see that both of both you and Parvati get to the end and then you come out on top. 
Queen stays queen, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what's weird about last night's challenge that all those other girls left the cabin and without giving it thought, me and Parvati went down in the tunnels and even on the first challenge when I was strapped to the wood, which they tied me like in 20 knots, like I was mad that the knots weren't equal across the board. Some people slipped out. My knots were knots and there was about 20 of them. And me and Parvati end up on boats in the water, you know, like the things that I'm going to be like, I'm not going to do. Like, if I don't have to get in that cold ass water, I'm not gonna. And next thing you know, it's I don't even think I just go. Right. Um, so I hope I made uh, everyone in the trader house happy. I, I tried to contribute as much as I could in my way. Mm. So let's talk about the challenge from this latest episode in episode eight with this escape room, but really it was more than a room because there were tunnels. You got down there, you were making friends with the, were those mice or rats? They were like hairless uh, rats, but I think that they're domesticated in some way because it wasn't like they were nibbling. Me and Parvati were there a long time. So let me tell you about that. Please. It's the first door to the right. I take it, I'm in there. Then I hear Parvati coming and she's like, how you doing in there? And I'm like, I can't seem to get it. And I'm spinning all the nuts and bolts and spinning them up and up and up. It goes up. It goes all the way down. But the rods don't come off. And my husband does a lot of tinkering and stuff in the garage. I know what a nut and a bolt does. I know how to screw up or screw down, whatever, get it out. We couldn't get this damn thing to do anything. So I, I start getting mad and I fucking break the whole thing. And I'm like, Parvati, we're leaving here with this gold coin. And we head out into the tunnel with the whole thing. And they're like, Sandra, turn around, put it back. I put it back. Come to find out the tools to um, take that box apart were actually at the end of the tunnel in one of the compartments. They wow. found tools but didn't know what they were for. And, of course, we didn't put two and two together because we were there the whole entire time trying to get at this little box with the coin. So um, that's why they didn't show me much. Um, but, yeah, but we we were there the whole time, and we were, like, dead set on getting this gold coin. And I was just, I was like, fuck it. If we're not going to get it one way. I'm going to get it another way. And I just <laughs> broke the box. Were you at all phased by the bugs down there? No. I know scary. you want more than that, but no. <laughs> okay, well, what about when you watch the show? What about uh, Sheree's reaction up in the, the house itself? Did, did you catch that? Oh, yes. I was in my bed, and I wish I would have recorded myself because me and my husband couldn't stop laughing. Like, I was out loud laughing. I couldn't believe. Um, but, you know, that's something that they don't care for, like, I'm scared of roaches. Like, I have a thing about roaches. Had there been roaches down there, maybe it would have been a different story. But the mice were so docile that, you know, you could pick them up and move them. Like, party would be like this, and i just grab it and move the rat. You know what I mean? I was just moving it. Um, but the rest, I, there was crickets, there was worms, maggots. I didn't care about none of that stuff. Had it been roaches, that would have probably been some hard for me. Got it. 
Okay, so my next question, this is the biggest question that people wanted me to ask you when we were talking to our audience, okay? So you posted on social media last week explaining the pool table strategy session. You wrote, quote, no one there is oblivious to the fact that Parvati and Phaedra have already been called out several times. That's actually manageable. If new traders enter the mix, then we have to start back from zero. Now, I understand that in this episode, it was Phaedra versus Parvati, so your hands were tied a bit. But how come we didn't see you trying to corral votes away from them and onto Peter or one of the other folks that wasn't in your alliance? Or maybe did that happen and we didn't see it? No, 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 no. I didn't have to because with the Bergie murder, they were down one. So it was okay if we lost one. And if now is the time to get Parvati out because they're just like, it's got to be Parvati, it's got to be Phaedra, but they couldn't decide back and forth. But for me, I felt a lot like Kate, like why all of a sudden is Peter protecting Parvati after days and days of insisting to take her out, get her banished? Why is he now so high strung on Phaedra, who I'm really close to, versus Parvati? So I had a feeling that something had happened. And then Phaedra says, you know, they were in the room and they were talking about uh, working together. And then it's like, uh oh, what do you mean working together? How come we didn't know any of this? So you know what? Well, guess what? Since they want poverty or Phaedra, I'm willing to give up poverty before I give up Phaedra. Got it. So the question becomes, it, from what we're seeing, it seems like a lot of you were resolute that poverty and Phaedra were the traitors. At this point, talking about episode eight and earlier, when did you first realize, think, or know that it was one or both of them? Um, I wrote down Parvati on on day one of my notes. I had Parvati. Hold on. Last time I showed wow. my notebook and somebody freaking screenshot it because I went fast up because <laughs> I didn't know they were going to give us. This is actually the notebook that they gave us in the hotel to write notes. It's a Tesco notebook from over there from Scotland. But anyway, I have brought my own notebook because I wanted to make sure that I have my notes. So uh, let me tell you, on day one, it was for me, it was... Um, and I can show you this, possible traders. And this was on the day of filming. Well, let me get rid of the date. Poverty was first with Peppermint and Marcus and John from Parliament. Oh, you're not seeing wow. it. Wow, I can and see it. And then two, three days later, I changed it to Charade, Peter, and Bergie. It was anytime anybody did something suspect, I would write down why it was sus, you know, like why they were sussing me out. But here's the deal. The list changes over and over and over again. But Phaedra wasn't on my list until, let me see. Here I have like 1,000% faithful, Bergie, Trishel, John, MJ. And that's the crazy part. Like when you know that someone is a complete faithful, um, it's like the only one that's going to get rid of them are the traitors by murdering them, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why I said that. Hold so, on. Okay, so wait, at what point did you? Phaedra. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Phaedra, Parvati, and Peter. Mm. So were you bummed at all? Because it sounds like I remember I asked you in our last interview who you got closest to in the house. You said Phaedra. Was it hard for you knowing you were a faithful, suspecting the person that you're closest to in the house of playing the game against you? 
No, because I don't see it like that. The minute, okay, so I'm, and I think I told you this before too. I felt like when Dan went home, I was like, fuck, Dan was my traitor angel. He was protecting me. And then Parvati goes home and I'm like, damn, Parvati was my traitor angel. She was protecting me too. So the only other person I got protecting me right now is Phaedra, who I'm also like saying, you know, um, oh, I would love to be a traitor because, okay, poverty's gone. So I already know that someone has to be, someone has to come and take that position. You know, Phaedra can't do it by herself. It's still too early in the game. But another thing I wanted to tell you was I remember having a conversation uh, in the group and I don't know who all was there. And they were talking about like, we don't know who has the shield. And I was Oh, no, I can't say this yet. Okay, sorry. Forget what I was... I almost spoiled something. <laughs> <laughs> See, I suspect it's... I suspect it's hard. Nah, I, I was going <laughs> to say something else, but yeah. Um. Okay, wait, can I ask another question then? I am curious, Uh. you know, when they're making this season and they have this cast come in, you, Parvati, and Dan are three winners, right? Also, I guess, Bananas as well. Um, when you NCT, were trying- he won his challenge. Oh, and CT. So when you and were trying- I didn't know, hold on, those are just the games. I didn't know until recently that Ekansu won her season, although Love Island is kind of yeah, different, yeah. but she won her season of Love Island. Also, Trishel won uh, Fear Factor. Mm-hmm. which yeah, we learned I in this episode that last night and i was like yeah. oh shit i didn't know she was on fear factor so but when you were coming into the house knowing i guess what i mean is that you dan and parvati and bananas and ct come have come in with the biggest reputations for gameplay so is there a part of you thinking at least one of this group has to be a traitor is they're gonna select someone that's like a real game player it's not like it didn't cross my mind because I remember that season one, it was Sari and it was Cody. Like, I already knew that. But in my head also, I was like, they won't do that again, which they in turn did. Um, but Parvati only came on board because they recruited her. So right. she wasn't initially picked. Um, but like I tell everyone else, the minute I wasn't picked, I was like, there's no way they pick Parvati over me. I'm the two-time winner. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it was more like I had blinders on to the possibility it could be Parvati. But you, on my notebook, she was the first one I wrote, Trader Parvati. Maybe maybe subconsciously I was like, well, fuck, if it ain't me, it's going to be her. But I watched enough Traders to know that it's a long game. You don't mm-hmm. have- UK season has six traders total. Every time you swap them out, you got to start from day one and you got to start. And if they're acting faithful because they are faithful, now you got to try to find something that they're doing moving forward that that makes them a trader. And it's really, really hard. So for me, it was more like last as long as you can get along with everyone, both faithfuls and traders. So no one will want to banish you or murder you. That's all Mm. I wanted to do. Mm. Okay, gotta ask you this, you know, speaking of Parvati just now, Kevin, in this episode, uh, pronounced Parvati's name wrong, not once, not twice, but three times, calling her Poverty. poverty. Yeah, this cast seems to have, yes, I was just gonna say, this cast seems to have a very hard time saying her name. Were you hearing it said incorrectly throughout the house a lot? And was no one ever just like, no, that's not her name to Kevin? Probably not. See, people say Sandra and Sandra, and I don't correct anyone. Like anytime Tony calls me, yo, Sandra, you know, there's so I know they're talking to me and I knew they were talking about poverty. So 
Um, I think it might have taken me a little bit to learn her name as well um, when I started playing with her on Heroes versus Villains. So I totally get it, but I'm not going to correct them because I know who they're talking about. Right. We should note here that during her first season in Cook Islands, Jeff Probst famously called her poverty as well. Um, you mentioned Heroes versus Villains. Let's go back to August 2009. I'm wondering when you got to the beach, obviously your legend status had been secured years earlier. Parvati had only won about a year and a half before. Were you aware of who Parvati was? And when you found out that the both of you were on the Villains Tribe, what was your initial thoughts as to how you would play the game with her, or if you wouldn't, how you were going to strategize? Um, I always watch Survivor, so I know who all these people are. I can't remember everything about them, but I knew that Parvati had won her season. Um, with that being said, I also have always said, and um, it'll never change that, like five minutes into uh, day one, Randy came up to me and says, we've decided that if and when we lose the first challenge, Parvati goes home first because she's already won. And in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, does he not know who I am? I'm also a winner. So if poverty goes home, I'm fucking next. So essentially from that point forward, it was like I had to make sure poverty stayed in the game, but I didn't have like an alliance with her. There was a there was a short period of time where like Boston, Rob, Courtney, myself, Danielle, poverty and Russell worked together. Uh, the six versus Jerry, Coach, Tyson, and Randy. Uh, but that was short-lived um, because it was like three, three, and four. So the three got together with six versus four, whatever. Um, but that was only a brief moment. But always in my head, I kept thinking, the minute poverty's gone, they're going to come after me. But that's what Randy told me five minutes into day one. So essentially, and then later on, you know, I was thankful because she played an immunity idol on me and Jerry. She didn't have to. So, and I told her too, I was like, look, they're already talking about you. So when she says along throughout the whole season, like they were after me since day one, they were. What do you make of, you know, it sounds like what you're saying. At one point in the game, you and Parvati were working together and then became this, whatever you want to call it, feud, what have you. I'm less curious about the feud because as you've and both have mentioned, the feud is done. I'm more curious what you make of like fans obsession with the feud. Well, I think it's probably ended already too. It was just when, when the feud happened, it, it became more of team poverty, team Sandra, team poverty, team Sandra. Then the survivors chimed in team poverty, team Sandra, you know? So it was like across, you know, then it ended up on tabloids and I'm like, Oh my God. Was there anyone online from the Survivor universe that was Team Parvati that you were like, wait a minute, I thought we were friends? There were several people, and I think we still are friends, just that they essentially picked her over me. Um, but the same can be said for me when I'm asked uh, who should be the next on the traders. You know what I'm saying? I can't pick everybody. Right. Um, Parvati has her relationship with other people, just like I have relationships with my people. My people said Team Sandra. Her people said Team Parvati. But I don't really, like, I don't dwell on it because at the end of the day, I'm still a two-time winner. You are. Now, speaking of two-time winners, I'm curious. I'm not trying to start another feud here, but I'm wondering, in, in, in you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tony, 
you know, because we often compare you and Parvati, but like you said, your statistics are not the same. You and Tony, that's more of an even playing field. Who would you say is the better player between you and Tony? Man, Tony, uh, Tony can get out of anything. I think Tony is an awesome player. Um, I, if I had to put my money on either me or Tony, I'd put my money on Tony. <laughs> Tony, okay, Tony you is put, fucking nuts. You put your money on Tony. I'll put my money on you. So that way we're even. I put my money on Tony. And the crazy thing is that you know, like I made sure Tony went home on Game Changers, and it totally changed the way Tony played when it came to season forty. He learned his lesson because I remember us in Vietnam every single day without failure at breakfast. Man, I can't believe I got voted out so soon. And I'm like, well, Tony, you know, you want to play a fast paced game. And we have 39 days out there. Like you can't push people to do something they don't want to. So you can never play like that again. And when he went out there to hero uh, to winners at war, he was a different Tony. He learned his lesson. Yeah. It was fun to actually see him learn that lesson in watching the show. Okay, my last Parvati-related question. On this episode, you say, quote, me and Parvati have a history. It's not a great history. And you later in the episode call her your nemesis. Now that Parvati's arc on the show is complete, I'm wondering how you, Sandra, would rate her gameplay on the traders. Man, I think she was an awesome trader. And when people say, man, Sandra, you should have been a trader. Yeah, I would have liked to be a trader. But at the same time, too, like... Parvati can explain things and she has a good, she's awesome at narrating the way things are happening. Me, I'm just blunt. I'm cut and dry. I murdered Evan because he got on my damn nerves. Like, I, you know, but, <laughs> you know, as a trader, I think I would have people scared to even come to the round table and talk. Like you open your mouth and you say the wrong thing. You're fucking murdered tonight. Like, but that wouldn't work for the show because people would be scared to talk at the round table. So in a way she played, I think she played an awesome game. She made, I feel like her mistake in going and trying to recruit Peter. I think that was really her downfall uh, because the minute that happened, like everything really, really changed drastically. Um, before it was just a whisper that poverty, Phaedra, just whispers. But the minute she went after Peter was a whole different, you know, but listen, I think they picked the perfect traders. Dan was awesome. Poverty was awesome. And Phaedra is still kicking ass. And then let's see what happens. Let's see. Uh, it seems from the edit of this show that pretty much everyone in the house got along with you. And I'm wondering, was that really the case? Are we seeing it accurately? Oh, yeah. I don't have any issues with anyone. I'm a social butterfly. I would have conversations with everyone. And then they mix us up in the cars going to and from the missions anyway. So that's when you, you, you know, you can get your point across or talk to other people. But I hopped around and jumped around the castle. I mean, we would talk for hours on end. We'd jump around from one room to the next to outside if it was if it was decent outside because it rained a lot and it was cold or windy. So if the weather was okay, we bounce around outside, but I tried to make sure I checked in with everyone. I didn't have issues with John, with Kevin, with Bergie, with Peter, with Sheree, with none of them, Phaedra, MJ, Kate, nobody. How would you describe your relationship in the house with Larsa? We had a good relationship. I'm the one that says something stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I don't even know why I said it. Didn't remember I said it until it aired on TV. And that's a testament to how how my wheels are constantly spinning. But that's why we love you. Yeah. So um, it wasn't called for. She really didn't do anything to me other than the fact that I saw that the women, when it came to the women of the housewives or Bravo, like when Larsa spoke, they listened. And I'm like, hmm, I need to get her out because when I speak, I want them to listen. You know, that's all that was. But that was it. Mm. Talk to me about being on this, or excuse me, being in this castle with Alan coming. I'm wondering, were you familiar with Alan prior to playing the game? Do you have a favorite uh, piece of work of Alan's, film, television, theater? No, I remember just watching him on the traders and seeing him and then looking him up. But I did watch something not too long ago, I think before I even went out to the castle and he was on it. I could look it up on my phone. Other than that, no, I didn't really know who Alan was. Um, but it was funny because on the missions, he would just make us laugh and pick on me and Sandra, get in there like like Jeff does, except Jeff could be like, she's doing this and she's not giving her, you know, where Alan's like laughing while making funny comments and it, just to lighten up the mood, um, even when we're going through a horrible mission and you think the odds are stacked against you. He says something funny and you just like, fuck it, whatever. Let me give it my all. Either I help the team put money in the bank or I don't, you know? So, um, I enjoyed my time with Alan. I really did. He's, he's perfect for the job that traders was made for him. I completely agree. Okay, I want to give you some names of some of the people in the house, and I want you to just free associate. It can be a word, it can be a sentence, just to get your thoughts. Okay, so Peppermint. So lovable. Everybody loved Peppermint. And I, but, and it was hard to let Peppermint go at the first banishment. Can I talk about that? Yeah. Peter, Sheree, me, and Peppermint were in the car together on day one. And... um. You know, day one is filmed in several days. It's not just like one day and that's it because we had to go really far for that challenge. Like that challenge was on the other side of Scotland. So we had to, like, it took forever to get to the location, do the challenge, get back, whatever. But anyway, we spent three days together in the, in the car, in the, in the Land Rover and we had an alliance name called THC, the Highland Council. And that's because they had parked us next to a church and that's what the church was called. And we were looking for a name and I was like, it's going to come to us. It's going to come to us. They park us next to this church and I look and I see THC and I'm like, that's going to be our name. It was kind of funny. So the fact that Peppermint was taken out so early and there was really nothing we could do because I vote with the majority regardless I didn't want to have issues leaving the banishment table by throwing out someone else's name, especially if I knew that person, there was no saving them. So with Peppermint being gone first, like it really, I think it destroyed our alliance because then Peter went with his group, Sheree and I separated. I mean, we were together, but from Peter, you know, Peter started making friends with the other group, but Peppermint might've been the glue that could have kept us together. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would love for her to get another chance. Yeah, I think audiences would as well. 
Can you talk about the fluidity of these alliances? I mean, you're talking about these like different sides of the house, but for instance, there was a moment this season when it seemed like it was going to be Housewives or like Bravo versus reality competitors, but that only really lasted one episode. And so, and then again, we have this pool table strategy session, but then all of a sudden CT goes and rats out. So there's just been a lot of instances in which like, it seems like a group is together, but they're not really. How are you thinking about this game in terms of alliances? Because for some people, their main focus is we got to get a trader. We got to get a trader. They don't look past getting to the end. And that's something you saw on season one across all the franchise, different countries. Some people go in hard at the banishment tables, but it all depends on what kind of player you are. In Survivor, it's all about alliances. It's always about alliances. It's always about the numbers. So the fact that for days, Peter and his pals, the most faithful of the faithful, kept shutting the doors. We never used to shut the doors in the castle. You can freely walk into any room. And if you peeked in like Max early on, he peeked in, he saw who was in there and left. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you peeked in, but it was never like, I got to knock to see if it's okay if I walk in here because, you know, maybe they don't. When it became like that, then all bets were off and it became seven against five. And that's what I had emphasized at the pool tables. I was like, oh, and by the way, all along, we thought there was four traders. We thought three were picked at the beginning by Alan, which he only picked two. And then they picked poverty. But in our heads, everyone's thinking there's a max of four traders. Okay, Dan is gone, but who are the other three? So yeah, poverty, yeah, Phaedra, but then who, right? So that was always like, in the back of everyone's head. Who is the fourth one that we still don't know? Um, so anyone with, anyways, with the pool table, I mean, with the pool balls, um, I had said, if they have a trader on their side, hopefully we have the majority on the traders of the traders on our side so that our traders, our two traders, won't allow this trader to take out anyone from our group because then they're screwed, you know? Yes. So it wasn't just about five and seven. It was more like, hopefully we got the two traders here and this trader's outnumbered by the trader in the group of the leftovers. So no matter what we, no one from our team could get banished and no one from our team could get murdered. And there was no banishment and then that's when Bergie got murdered. So then it's okay if poverty goes. That's as fast as that was because we still had the numbers on this side. See, it's like, I'm so glad you explained it that way because it makes complete sense, but it's not explained on the show. All we see is like you moving the pool balls around. And my confusion, which you've just cleared up, was do you realize there are probably traitors on your side? But what you're saying is, no, we did know that and we were glad about it. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't care. We just wanted to have the majority of the traders on our side looking out for us. Got we it. could deal with them later because remember, only when there's four people left, there's no more banishments. There's no more round tables. Now it's down to the, the red and green bags of smoke. Right. We know that. And there was still what? 11 people still in the house? Yeah, I believe what? so at that point. Seven, I could be wrong. Seven and five. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, continuing on the free association game. Next name, Janelle. Man, Janelle was my buddy. 
So to hear her at the round table, and that was what messed her up too, naming so many people. But then again, you see, that was us going back to four traders, Dan, Parvati, CT, and Sandra. Because in our head, we kept thinking, there's got to be four traders. So in her head, it's four traders. I just didn't like being called out because I don't like being called out at the banishment tables. And 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 let me tell you something too. The banishments are long, just like tribal council is very long. Everyone always talks. Like sometimes you guys only see somebody flip it, the, oh, such and such his name. And that's all you hear. Everyone talked at the banishment tables. Maybe once or twice there were people that were quiet first started. But after that, everyone always said something. Hmm. Which is more mentally grueling, a survivor tribal council or a trader's roundtable? I think the trader's roundtable. Um, on survivor, I've always played in that before we go to tribal council, for the most part, I've always known what's going to happen. Even if I don't vote with whoever's going to go home or whatever the hell I'm doing, um, you know, it was always like uh, dot your eyes and cross your teeth. Make sure you come back out with your torch still lit and not snuffed, whatever. Um, so we try to make sure when we go in there that we know we're going to come out and pretty much what's going to happen, what's going to be said. If we have to pretend like we're going home or that we're sad about something, you know, all that crap. But at the round table, you never know what people are holding on to because sometimes they'd be like, um, uh, like Trishelle, you know, pointing out all the, the issues she had with Phaedra. Has she said it before to maybe Kevin and John and anybody else? These people, her own group would have been on board with what she was saying. But that's what they do sometimes. They wait till the banishment table to then open their mouths like Dan. Tell me early so I can put it in my head so I can move it around, dissect it, figure it out, ask you any questions that I might have versus throwing it out and seeing if it sticks at banishment. And by then, people already had their minds made up. Yeah. When it became Phaedra versus Poverty, Sheree and I and MJ and Kate, we already knew we were saving Phaedra over Poverty. And it seemed like on some level, Poverty was aware of her fate. I mean, I, I get for the drama of the show, she's playing it up and, and I'm grateful that she did, but it seemed... This almost this whole episode sort of seemed like a swan song to Parvati, but I gotta give her credit in that conversation with John, which I, I guess you didn't know it happened. You probably just saw it when you watched the episode. She was really giving a performance. Yeah, but at the same time too, I think it was heartfelt because she did want to stay in as long as she could in that game. So in essence, maybe she was lying, but at the end of the day, she really wanted to stay. And I think that's maybe where her tears were genuine. Uh, you know, we all go in there wanting, you know, making plans for this money. So, yeah, I didn't know anything about that conversation. But also, like, even when Dan went home or when Poverty was going to get banished, like, they'd look at me and I'm like, you better figure something out or you're a goner. And if they're voting for you, I'm voting for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, it's not going to be a shocker when I write your name because you already know, like, when, when Peppermint was having the issues... Um, about them saying that she said out of her own mouth that she was a traitor. I was like, girl, you better go figure something out because your name is running deep through this castle. So 
And that's the tough thing about this game when someone something like that happens because there's nothing you, Sandra, can really do to help Peppermint because as you've always stated, and you've said this on the Traders and you've said this about Survivor, once your name is out there, it's hard, it's like it's like toothpaste, right? It's like it's hard to get it back in the bottle. And so when it's an ally of yours, you kind of have to just watch their boat sink because there's nothing you can do. I said the same thing to Kevin. One time, um, Kevin's and I kept kept coming up and he was saying something and I can't remember all the words, but I was like, Kevin, listen, you don't want your name to be coming up in the round table. But by then him and Peter had made that dumb deal about you say my name, I say yours. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, that is a no, no. Um, and I was like, Kevin, listen, once your name comes up one time, it's going to continue to come up. You're going to be the safer bet. People are not going to care about saying your name if they don't have any other choice. Like, you need to stop that. Like, you can't allow that to happen. You know what I'm saying? So Kevin's trying to get it together, but some people aren't made for this game. Mm, true. Okay, next name on this list, Deontay. What about him? Oh, my words? Yeah. He has such a soft heart. Like, um... A lot of things got to him. Those banishments, I don't think every everyone ain't, no matter how hard they are on the exterior, no matter that he goes and beats people up in the ring and wins titles and he's, you know, fist over whatever, you know, fighting and boxing and uh, beating people up. Like, even someone that strong comes into a game like this that it's all about you know, mind and making connections and trying to figure out who the traitor is, like something as simple as a banishment just tore him apart. So that goes to show you that this game is not for everybody. Mm, yeah. What about Dan? Because Dan is someone, as I mentioned earlier, there were only of the Survivor Big Brother universe. We had three winners. Obviously, you knew Parvati, but you had mentioned to me you were very familiar with Dan. Dan has a huge reputation, and unlike you and Parvati, who had last been on their respective shows in 2020, it had been so long, over a decade, since we'd seen Dan on television. Uh, what was it like playing the game with him? It was awesome, but at the same time, he didn't give a lot. He was always observing and listening and he would when he would catch me, he'd be like, everything good, every anything I need to know. No, you need to know. Like, you know, if I had info for him, I'd give it to him. But if there wasn't nothing being said about him, then there was nothing to say. But even when he got called out and he knew he was in trouble, he made it a point to check in with those he was worried about. He wasn't worried about me. Um, so he didn't have to come and check in with me. He knew from the jump, like, I'm going to vote with the majority, but if you can get out of this sticky situation, hey, you can count on me. But he already knew, like, that morning, the morning he came to breakfast, they wanted to hear what he had to say because he was like, tomorrow I'm going to tell y'all. Okay, well, tomorrow's here. We want to hear it. No, when I when I go to the banishment table, then I'm going to say something. Like, what? So... Um, but like I said, Dan's mistake definitely was going after Bergie, you know, and poverty warned him. She knew it because that's what happened with her and Amanda on Heroes versus Villains when she protected me and uh, Jerry Manthe, whose name I said needs to play Survivor. Like Jerry and Courtney. Um, you mean the traitors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Need to play the traitors. Um, but yeah, so with Dan, it was pretty much like, if I got intel to give you, I'll give it to you. But when he knew he was screwed and he looked at me, I was like, look, there's a way I'd be looking at them when I'm like, 
Like, <laughs> you better go figure it out because if you could get the numbers on your side, yo, I'm with you. But if everybody's coming after you, guess whose name I'm writing down? Yeah. That makes sense. It's everything you're saying for anyone listening who would ever hope to play a game like the traders, you're offering a lot of wisdom as to how best to navigate these games. Yeah, um, that's why you can't blame me. Wait, and I got to tell you something else. Uh, I was going to say that's why you can't blame me because you have to blame everyone that wrote your name down. You know what I'm saying? MJ, the uh, light torching ceremony. So Kevin and I won. And uh, Alan makes it clear that if me and him can decide, then we too are up for, you know, we, we can be up for the five people being murdered. So from the jump, we have to agree. So in my head, I'm like, okay, as long as Kevin says a name that I agree with, I'm not going to argue with him. I walk up to Kevin. I go like this. He says, I think we should save Sheree. <laughs> Done great. deal. Yeah. But when MJ is mad and she's like, Sandra, I expected you to save me. I'm like, MJ, you were there. Kevin gave me a name. I wasn't going to argue with Kevin. Sounded good to me. It was still someone in my alliance. And, um, you know, but Kevin was the one that said the name and I just went with it. Right. It Go ahead. It was surprising watching both MJ and Trishel and even Parvati to an extent get so twisted about not being chosen when, you know, everyone is working with multiple people. Of course, you want to be their number one, but you can't be butthurt if you're their number two. So like in that instance, it's like, it's not as though you both chose someone that was against MJ over her. You chose someone else within her alliance. You'd think she'd be like more understanding of that. It was surprising watching everyone seemingly so bent out of shape over this. Well, and here's the thing. When Alan says, plead your case, people were pleading their case before me and Kevin even started. And John had pleaded his case. And a couple of minutes later, um, CT makes it a point to say, hey, you guys, save John because he's making a plea. And, you know, I can't remember everything CT said, but CT was alluding to saving John. All of a sudden, Phaedra saves CT, and they're like, okay, well, CT, you were just talking about everyone else saving John. You saved John. That's when it became CT having to pick between John and Trishel because previously he had been telling everybody, what about John? He's been good. He's this. He's that. He's loyal. He's a faithful. All right. Well, you saved John now. You pick between John and Trishel, since you were just telling everybody else to pick John, you know? Right. And he did. So that's where uh, that came from. Right. Okay, so speaking of CT, what are your thoughts on CT? CT's playing a great game as well. And, and CT, the thing about him was from the jump, from day one, he would always hug and kiss, good morning, everyone, fizz bump, high five, every single person in that house. Every single person. Um, so he was good with everybody. CT was good with everybody. Mm. If you he were to guess. First social game. Yes, he really does. If you were to guess, because like I'm someone that's very much on social media, as I think you can gather. Who would you guess are the three most kind of but like beloved players in the game on this season? If you had to guess. Phaedra. Correct. Of the guys, CT. Correct. 
And okay, it's not Peter. It's not Kevin. It's not a guy. It's CT is the one guy. It's it's another female. Yeah, it's not Trishel. It would probably be between me and MJ. It would be you, but MJ is a close fourth. You think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know who's really emerged for me for me the past couple of weeks is Sheree. Because I love Sheree. I'm a big Housewives fan. But for people that don't watch Housewives, she hasn't been a big part of the season so far because the edit has focused on other bigger personalities. But these past couple episodes, the little that we do get of Sheree, she's such an essential piece of this cast. One thing that I was saying to my friend this morning about this season, and I'm curious for your thoughts, I feel like there's no duds in this cast. I just feel like everybody contributes to the game, to the narrative, to the strategy, to the overall vibe of this season. And I'm wondering if you felt that way. Um, I can think of Survivor casts of yours where I don't feel the same way. No, absolutely. Everyone always spoke, especially when we divide ourselves into different teams. Everyone has input. They have their say. Um, I think they should they should put extended like banishment tables, like from start to finish. Like don't yes. break it up. Let us let the fans be in there. Like like the twenty four hour feeds on Big Brother. Like, Absolutely. Allow the fans to see how it all played out and who said what. Um, that would be people would pay to see that kind of content. Absolutely, because. I was going to say, from so many of the conversations I've had with you and other players on this season, there will be entire storylines that were simply cut out for time reasons, not because they weren't interesting or worthwhile. And in some instances, I think that they are really like necessary plot lines that were removed for time that would help sort of seam various storylines together. So yes, I, I've been voting for like an extended cut of the episodes, but I like your idea better, which is like, let's just get live feeds and show us everything. Yeah, exactly. I think that a lot people would enjoy that. Like the fan base would be even bigger because you're choosing if you're going to sit there for two hours and see this whole banishment, you know? Yeah. I mean, heck I would watch, I'd watch the live feeds every night. Um, okay. Continuing on the name game, Bergie. Oh, um, he's so charismatic. Like Bergie always had a smile on his face I, the day he came down, let me tell you, the day he came down talking about, uh, they tried to murder me, but I had this shield that gave me a death warrant. I was like, traitor. <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, I saw on another season where the person was a traitor, wrote their name down because they had a shield. So they knew, and they come to breakfast talking about, they tried to murder me, but I had a shield, you know, I'm like, you're a tra and I wrote Bergie's name down. That motherfucker's a traitor. And <laughs> there was a couple of times, like early in the game, too, where they were like, like uh when Atkins Sue was like, Why are you nervous? Why are you so red? And um, but there were there were a couple of times where I was like, Man, Bergie, he's so young, everyone thinks he's naive, that he doesn't know how to play this game, that he doesn't have the experience. I think he would make an awesome traitor because no one would suspect him. Mm, I agree. I certainly agree. Okay, two more people from this cast. Kate. She, she, I'm always laughing. Everything she says always tickles me. Like, this woman, the shit she says is crazy. Like, okay, so she went down to, uh, uh, they put her in the, the, the thing underneath, the jail. She went to mm -hmm. jail. What did they call that jail? Um, uh, the dungeon, I think. 
Yeah, with the dungeon. I was going to say the catacombs. Uh, she goes to the dungeon and did she say like, fuck you, Fergus, or something like that? She, she asked him for champagne. I remember that. I don't think she told him to fuck himself, but that, but I, she seemed pretty perturbed. Yeah. So, um, but Kate, she always had me laughing. When, when Kate came to the castle, I was like, yay, somebody that knows the ropes that can help guide us through. And, you know, she was there for our first, um, when we banished Dan and I was like, Kate, when did you guys get your first trader? She was like on episode six. And I was like, okay, so we're doing fine because we got one on episode six too. We finally got one. So I would have to say moving forward, guys, by episode six, you should have someone. But if you don't, don't fret about it. Like it's not a big deal. Um, but anyway, Kate, I thought she was a great addition to the game. I just would have liked if she would have come in from the jump. Not yeah, that was, that was confusing. Now, Speaking of another player that didn't quite enter the game, but did pop up in this last episode, we got an appearance from Dr. Will of Big Brother. You, it seemed from the edit, might have been the only person to know who he was. Because I watch Big Brother. I know you do, but I, I don't think anyone else on this cast does. Um, and I think it was it's unfortunate because... It was Dr. Will. Okay. Well, it was unfortunate that both Janelle and Dan were not there to see Dr. Will. I'm curious, are you aware of some drama that is currently unfolding with Dr. Will and Janelle and now Rachel Riley has now jumped in? No, I didn't know what happened. So uh, Will, Dr. Will was interviewed uh, for Entertainment Weekly and said this about the Big Brother cast members on the Traders. He said, quote, I think some Big Brother players went on the Traders to show that they still got it, only to realize that they actually never had it. So then... <laughs> Janelle jumped in and said, this is from literally hours ago. Janelle says, says someone who is terrified of participating in another show because they know they'll be the first out. At least me, Cody, Dan, and Rachel put ourselves out there for the fans. All you've done is showed up on set in a bathrobe and acted like a creep. <laughs> what did Rachel say? Hold on, let me find her response. This literally, I read Rachel's response right before you and I hopped on. Isn't have you noticed that this show has spawned a lot of uh, the players like to go on social media and chat it out? So uh, Rachel jumped in and said, "No, I'll call it like it is. Will doesn't have the blank to go on this or any show, and throws shade at us who do. He knows he's first out. Tell me you don't have the time off. You're the owner of your own practice. Overrated. The Traders guest star Will Kirby. I bet they shut him up." <laughs> so it seems so it seems uh speaking of of people uh on the show i'm curious uh what are your thoughts just to jump to season one rachel riley uh big brother player i've always loved her as many have but i know many were introduced to her on the traders yeah what's your what are your thoughts on rachel riley uh i think not only rachel but stephanie because i was watching yes watch the people that i'm rooting for closely uh, they got a bum rap, but I get it. For Sarita win, they had to be gone. Um, I'm sure they didn't want Sarita didn't want to banish Stephanie, uh, so she chose to murder her. But Rachel being outspoken because she is like that on Big Brother, she's like that on The Amazing Race. Rachel being um, outspoken and, and maybe um, People thinking she was a traitor was why they banished her, you know, but it broke my heart when she was like, you guys, I'm a faithful, you know, but 
it falls on deaf ears. You can say you're faithful a million times and it doesn't mean anything because everyone's yeah. saying that they're faithful. Um, so it's not like I didn't take something from each one of these players before going into season two, you know. But I just knew, like, don't come in on those round tables hot. And I did yeah. for Max, for the Max banishment, because I know what I saw. And I just saw Max smiling every single time somebody said peppermint, 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 when they were flipping over their slates. And I'm like, he's getting joy and smiling. And he probably doesn't even know he's smiling. Like a criminal that just got away with a murder thinking, oh, I'm too smart. I'm too slick. They have no idea it's me. And then, but after I was wrong, I was like, mm, I need to sit back because I won't make it to the end if I keep coming into these banishments hot on somebody, you know, let, like let the other ones go in and decide, you know, like not me. So right. that was the only time, like I really, really, me and Deontay were like, mm, like they didn't show me a ton as much as they showed him, but Fergie said it like, Sandra, I trust what you're saying. I value your opinion. Like I'm going to vote with you for Max, but. I thought I was on the right track, but after that, I was like, eh, I need to take a step back. Mm. So the last player I'm curious to ask you about is happens to be the player you told me that you got closest with, which would be Phaedra. What can you tell us about Phaedra? So me and Phaedra, towards the end of the game, we start getting really, really close as the numbers dwindle because I'm still tight with MJ. I'm still tight with Sheree. But now as there's less and less people, and I think when I do a lot of talking, uh, Phaedra listens to me, especially at the next mission we go on next week. Um, chaos is going to come from that one. And it was me saying something to Phaedra. <laughs> so I know that when I speak, she listens because I'm a gamer. She always called us the gamers. But I never like sat there and was like, oh, I'm the two-time winner because she thought it was Dan. And had she said anything to me, I'd be like, it was Parvati. Parvati was the two-time winner. <laughs> because I would ask them, like, how much of Survivor do you guys watch? And they're like, nothing. I was like, how much do you know? They're like, absolutely nothing. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we go out to this island and we divide into two teams and we play a challenge. Like, let's say tug of war and whoever wins doesn't have to get rid of anybody in their tribe and whoever loses does. That's all. That's all we do. And then, of course, we have to find food. And they're like, oh, my God, what do you eat? And I'm like, oh, whatever you find crawling around. So that was what they knew of Survivor from me. I wasn't going to sit there and say anything else. Um, but Phaedra, she does have all those faces. Um, she does have that twitch Kevin's talking about. But I thought that was normal, like just facial expressions that she does that's funny. Right. Uh, not just that if she's lying, she's twitchy. Like, I, I don't know. But uh, anytime Phaedra talk, people listen. Phaedra has a way with making a friend out of everyone. No matter how you feel about her 10 minutes prior or if she did something, you know, but she doesn't do anything to anyone maliciously. I mean, she's murdering them as a traitor. But she didn't pick that. You know, that was picked for her, just like Parvati said. She didn't. You know, yeah, they come in there saying, I want to be a traitor. Most of them do. And then it, it's it's a lot. It's not right. easy. I want to ask you, because the interesting thing about many of the housewives didn't know the gamers. Many of the gamers didn't know the housewives. You have a very interesting distinction. The uh, season finale of Pearl Islands was watched by over 25 million people. Whereas... 
I don't know the exact number, but I think the highest rated episode of The Real Housewives of Atlanta ever, and that is the number one franchise among the housewives, I think just surpassed 4 million. And I just think that's worth noting how Survivor to a lot of people is seemingly a lot more niche than Housewives because Housewives is way more in sort of the zeitgeist. But to this day, Survivor maintains about six, seven million viewers an episode, which is far more than any of the Housewives. Many of the Housewives average less than a million an episode. So was it interesting for you to come into this space and sort of learn the world of Housewives, which less people watch, but is just a phenomenon. You have to know of the phenomenon that is Housewives. Well, see, and that's the crazy part that not only just the housewives, but we never really sat in there and talked about our shows, you know, like nothing personal about housewives. It was more of what we were doing in our game, what the mission was, who didn't show up, you know, who got banished, who got murdered from the night before anything that was said in passing. So nobody really focused on Love Island and Dancing with the Stars or the housewives. I didn't know who any of them were. I didn't know Sheree. I didn't know Phaedra. I didn't know Tamara. None of them. I didn't know Marcus Jordan. I didn't know Larsa Pippen. I didn't even know they were dating until they said, like, I didn't know none of that because I don't know. You could have stood them in front of me and said, who is each one of these? And I wouldn't be able to tell you just like the same with us. They don't know who we are either. Um, but it was just the willingness to try to get to know each other personally, not this is what we do on Housewives and this right. is what we do on Survivor. You know, um, my distinction was only like, do you wanting to know how much of my show they knew because they kept saying, oh, you guys are gamers. Oh, you backstab and you're always lying and the deceit. No, it's not like that. We just... We just have to like, if you don't make a shelter, then you sleep on the ground and then the bugs crawl on you. You know, it's crap like that. Just baloney stuff. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't watch the show. Right. I think it uh, ended up benefiting the gamers in a lot of ways. Okay. To wrap up our time, I want to find out from you what you would say was the best and worst part of this experience. Because prior to getting this, I, I believe it began as an email, you told me. Prior to getting this email... I don't think you had doing more reality TV on the horizon. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. No, it was a text message that then they needed my email address and I sent the email because... Got it. Okay. But before that text message, I, I and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you were thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to go do more reality competition show. But, you know, you said yes, you did the show. We don't know where it ends up just yet, but, uh, but we have, you know, we do know that you have further cemented your legacy of being a fantastic addition to any cast that you appear well, on? Well, I hope I've done enough for them to call me for Traders too. Yes. Well, I think we need... Okay, so I think we need a Traders All-Stars that features players from various yeah, franchises. that's what I meant. Uh, sorry, not Traders too, like All-Stars. Traders All-Stars. All right, and I also think because... It's my opinion that players like Stephanie LaGrosa and Rachel were given a short straw in not being able to compete in an all-returning player season because I think that they had more eyeballs on them than people in your cast because everyone in your cast was an icon in their own realm, whereas half of the cast on season one were nobodies, therefore they had a lot less of a target on them. Whose name are you going to throw out? The person you know or the person you don't? The person you know. So I think they had an unnecessary target that would make it make sense for them to come back again. Um, but anyway, 
the question. So yeah, what would you say having now done the experience, the best part and the worst part? Uh, the best part about it, what did I enjoy the most about the traders would definitely be the breakfast. Showing up to breakfast, actually coming down the stairs because they put us in the different rooms and separate us. And we can only talk about baloney, but you don't know who are in the other rooms and what rooms they're in until they call you out of this room and that person from that room and you walk down together for breakfast. Walking down and making it and knowing you're not murdered. And then I'm like, okay, now I can eat. Like, now I just got my appetite back. The worst part, there's two worst parts. Walking into... Look, they're equally horrible. Walking into banishment is rough. Just like hoping you don't get murdered is rough. Because, okay, once you survive banishment, you're happy until everybody gets sent to bed. Once you go to bed, you're like, fuck. Will I make it to breakfast tomorrow? And a lot of times we'd hug each other and be like, I hope I see you tomorrow. I hope I see you tomorrow. I hope I, you know... You don't want it, but, you know, your wheels, like, for me, I don't think I stressed as much because, you know, other than Janelle saying my name one time, I really didn't have much to fear. But you can't help but to lay in bed and think, damn, did I do enough? Am I okay? You know, am I going to get murdered tonight? Did I do everything I wanted to do? Did I do anything wrong? And then you don't know what you did wrong, you right. know? right. Okay, wait, can I ask you two last quick questions? Okay, one. What? 20 if, more questions. What is it? <laughs> okay, if my are as you might be aware, Mike White of season 37 and the White Lotus fame has famously been casting Survivor alumni on the White Lotus. Uh this podcast, Drop Your Buffs, in two weeks' time will be exclusively revealing who the Survivor cast members are that are going to be on season three. I'm wondering if Mike White called you and said, Sandra. I need you for season four of The White Lotus. Are you picking up that call? Oh, yeah. As long as I'm not in a bikini at the beach. Because I saw Angelina and Kay on there. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I guess because I have that raspy voice, too, it might not be good for TV. Like when I'm screaming, like when... I don't know if you guys hear me, but I could always hear my voice when we got party. Like, yeah. Oh, I could definitely hear that. There's that moment. And then I also loved when you screamed when you won the challenge in episode seven. That was fantastic. But yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. When Parvati was out, everyone else was clapping. And there's a screen that you let out that is, yeah, fantastic. Great performance. Okay, last question. Of and the you know what? No, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you this too. Like we celebrated hard when we got Dan, right? We were so happy we got one traitor. When Parvati went home, it really wasn't a celebration. And why is that? Crazy. I, I don't know why. Like, although, yay, we got another traitor, but it was the sense of the unknown now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going to happen next? Is someone going to get, you know, obviously somebody's going to get recruited, but who... Um, so there wasn't this big celebration like when Dan went, we all went to the bar, everybody's like, cheers, cheers, yay, 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 we're on a roll. But poverty really wasn't like that. Hmm, interesting. Okay, looking at Survivor, I'm curious. So just, you know, so you know, uh, on this podcast, I'm not the biggest fan of the new era of Survivor. I miss 
the old school. You know, when you and I last talked and I was asking you who you'd want to bring on for season three, I was really pushing you to go to those old school players. And, and fortunately, you did for, for us. But uh, I'm wondering if you were to rank the newest batch of seasons, 41 to 45, if you were to rank them from worst to best, where would you land? Um, hold on. Let me see who, let me see. 45 was won by Jam Jam. That was a good no, 45 season. was D. 44 was D. Jam Jam. 44 Jam Jam. And then, um, before Jam Jam, it was, um, um, this guy, um, um. Yeah, the guy with the beard. Gabler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabler, <clears throat> then Marianne, mm -hmm. and then, um, before Marianne, the other Canadian girl, uh, Erica. Yes. So, worst to best. D Jam 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 season best. Okay. Followed by Gabler's. Okay. Followed by D's, Marianne's, and then Erica's. Okay, so you're not a big fan of Forty One. I wasn't either. And I think a lot of the reasons too with Forty One was I caught it after the fact simply because we were filming Australian Survivor. So then okay. to catch it and then that <laughs> that that twist about she got to have them redo everything. I didn't like that. Mm. There's certain things I don't like. What do you miss most about old school survivor? The relationship building. Like back in the day, people knew how many kids you had, what you did for a living, like how old you were, like all that good stuff. Now it's more or less like a minute one. They already want to know what, what alliance they're in. And if you know, you like, you're attaching yourself to people who you might not play with tomorrow. Um, like everything is so fast paced and they don't really get the opportunity to really connect and bond with those that are like them. Mm. Okay. One last one, <laughs> just cause I've got you here. What is a better season of Survivor, Pearl Islands or Heroes versus Villains? Heroes versus Villains. Okay, I agree, but I think Pearl Islands is one of the most perfect seasons, not just of Survivor, but of television. I think Pearl Islands is a an excellent season. And I have to say, a lot of like the famous seasons of Survivor, they kind of dip. Like for instance, Micronesia, people forget that there's like that you know, that midsection before the merge where it kind of dips. And I feel like Pearl Islands is remarkable from start to finish. I think it has that distinction. Pearl Islands <laughs> was number one up until Heroes versus Villains. Then Heroes versus Villains became the fan favorite followed by the Pearl Islands. Um, and I believe it's still like that to today. I mean, sometimes they'll throw Kagi on in there somewhere, but at the end of the day, Heroes versus villains will be always number one, and then Pearl Islands number two, and with that, and that's why I nominated uh, Courtney and and Jerry for the next season because I want to stay true to the heroes versus villains. Like Sari and Stephanie played from the heroes, me and Poverty from the villains, and I think that Jerry and Courtney could turn that castle upside down. I agree. You know, one other name that people are calling for from that cast is Russell Hans who you famously, <laughs> one could say, didn't get along with too well on your season. Russell's very controversial in the world of Survivor and outside of it, but if there's one thing that we can all agree on about Russell is Russell does bring the drama. I'm wondering if you think Russell would be a good candidate for something like The Traders. I mean, all Survivor players are versatile, so I don't think that he uh, would necessarily do either good or bad. It all depends on what attitude he comes out there with because... 
he got the opportunity to do Australian Survivor and because it didn't go his way, then it's like, you know, he shit on the whole season and the whole franchise. So if he didn't get his way in the castle, does he then turn against Peacock and, and the traitors because he didn't get his way? But at the end of the day, it's how you come across to these people. Okay, well, so maybe he would be a good player. I don't think they're. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather see him back on Survivor, to be honest. They um, that ain't gonna happen either. If it hasn't happened yet, it's not gonna happen. I think for the most part, they want to stay away from him. Um, Poverty was pushing Tyson when when asked, not pushing his name, but she was saying that he would be an awesome person uh, to play another person from Heroes versus Villains. Yeah. I mean, if I had it my way, I, I mean, I, I'm with you on Courtney and Jerry for sure. I also feel like Jerry is not given her due respect as just such a, an important figure in the canon of Survivor. I also would love Amanda Kimmel, but I feel like Amanda's not quite reachable, but I think she would be another one I would love to see. She would sort of feel similar to Dan Giesling as far as like someone that would really be coming out of retirement. Also, Colby would be really fun to see what he's been up to. <laughs> You're not convinced. <laughs> I'll stick to Courtney and Jerry. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll Sandra, stick to what I know. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I think people are tuning in to hear what you know. So, If I had to put my it. stamp on it, it would be them. But then also, uh, Abby, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kelly Wentworth, um, Troy Zan, uh, Mama C., who else? Who else I think would be great? Um, um, even someone like, um, hold on, um, um, Trish. Uh, See, but you're airing so new. It's like, give me like, like early people. Like I got you to say Rhino during our last interview because I asked you someone from Pearl Islands. Someone from Pearl Islands would be right. But what about like like thinking about like the first all-star season? Like I would love to see someone like Lex. Lex, yes. Someone like Kobe. Uh someone like uh Bobby John, if they could find Bobby John. Yes. Uh, now we're I don't talking. know if Stephanie has his number. Shit, there's so many good survivors. I know there's there's so many good ones. Bobby John's a great one though. Um, we can we can keep the list going. Sandra, I hope that we can have you back at some point. We didn't even really get to touch too much on game changers. Talk too much about uh, winners at war. Hopefully, we'll get. There's to that nothing someday. to say about game changers. <laughs> I got tribe swap screwed. Okay, well, winners at war. Rob told me, Sandra, if you leave, you're going to regret it. And I'm like, no, I'm a big girl. I won't regret it. And I didn't regret it until I saw how much it affected the fans. But Mm. like I was over it. Like, you know, I had just spent 36 days on Island of the Idols. I was only back home for like 10 days to then go back over there. And I tried to keep my same schedule with my body and not consuming stuff because I wanted to be prepared for winners at war. And the minute they said $2 million, it was a whole different game. Like, and then that was the only time I ever put friendship above anything. And I was like, oh, I'm going to save Denise. I want her to last long. I don't want her to go to edge of extinction and look what the fuck happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't do that shit no more. And I haven't since. I learned they, That lesson, I learned it one time and it was enough. 
But you said that, you know, the fan reaction afterwards made you think that maybe you did the wrong thing in choosing to leave. No, no, no. So not, not that I did the wrong thing, just that I could have sat my ass on edge of extinction. Exactly. And, and made went, television. And not went around to the other side to grab coconuts and not go up and down carrying logs and just watch them. Like I trust me, I could sit my ass out there for 36 days. Um and that's why the minute I did Australian Survivor, I was like, I'm going to try not to sit out. I'm just going to go ahead and participate as much as I can, which I did like, did I do 14 out of 15 challenge? I only sat out one time because mm -hmm. it was my turn to sit out because they were really like sitting out everyone in order. Um, but I did like 14 out of 16 or 15 challenges. 14 out of 50 because I only sat out one time. But it sounds like it was so it was bad timing for you. I know Parvati has mentioned it was not good timing for her. She had just get, given birth to her daughter recently before that season. It sounds like had there been more like planning that went into it to sort of meet people's schedules, the, the season might have turned out better because it just seemed like, it, like yeah, just people's heads weren't kind of in the right place in their real lives to come in, stop everything and play this game. I'm not going to say that I wasn't in the right headspace because I would think that I can adapt to anything and that I'm a great survivor player. The problem was that I played with my heart and that's what fucked me up. Mm. Like, oh my God, I feel so bad about Denise. Oh, I'm going to save her with this idol. And then she had her own freaking idol and then saved Jeremy with mine. And then, cause I told her straight up, I'm like, I'm still going to write your name down. Cause I'm still with Tony still with Kim, but I want you to survive this and for Jeremy to go home thinking she'll be appreciative. And then I ended up getting, that's what bummed me out. Like I always tell people I never needed therapy ever. And I needed three days of therapy because I'm like, oh home, for the most part, it was like, Oh my God, the fans. Are, oh my God, what have I done? My fans like, Oh my God, <laughs> I know I'm the anyone but me. And look what the fuck I just did. Oh my God. Uh, okay, my very last question. If you, <laughs> I know, right? I swear. If you were to make a themed season of Survivor, because one thing I think a lot of people miss about the old seasons was in addition to them going different places, making these themed seasons, for example, Heroes versus Villains. If you were to come up with a themed season, is there anything that you comes to mind for you that you would think would be like a good sort of like this versus that? I think if they had like a second chance is number two or whatever mm -hmm. you want to name, either the first people ever voted out mm -hmm. um, or even people that went to the end but didn't win. I like that. Um, and I think they should open it up. Like, let's say you get it's been, what, 45 seasons. You turn around and you put. 60, 70 people out there and say, okay, guys, for the first thing, the first 30 to come across and make it to the next, you know, like, like when they do those Ironman races and all that shit, like give these people the opportunity to make it from point A to point B in three days and, and earn their spots. Like on the challenge, when they do those mini runs, those mini, the mini challenge, and they right. have to go from one place to the other and do different things, like earn your position. And if you don't earn it, that's on you. Um, but just give everyone that opportunity that wants to go out there. I agree. Sandra. That easily. I agree. Thank you so much. This has been a real thrill. I am excited to watch you continue on the journey of this show. I've got 
I know you can't say anything. I'm just saying, I've got my money on you. Uh, I've got my eye on you and my money on you. Uh, and I thank you for making the time to be here. My pleasure. I'm sorry that I'm late. I'm sorry. And now I got to track down Stephanie. <laughs> I got to say, though, if it was anybody else, I would be annoyed. But I'm of the mindset, you're a queen and a queen can do as she chooses. And so I appreciate you for eventually making the time, even if you were late. I'm sorry. And it will no, never don't apologize. Again, but I blame you, too, for not. Saying yeah, yeah. It's my fault. I Listen, I through. take I, I own my part in this. Yeah. All right. Thank you so it much. It was a pleasure, Evan. All right, talk soon. All right, take care. Bye. Wow, there you have it, Sandra Diaz-Twine. I was not there for this interview, but I will be there for the next time that Sandra joins Drop Your Buffs. This was a special presentation of our Patreon coverage of The Traders Season 2. And if you want to catch all of our coverage of The Traders, you will have to become a patron. The link to our Patreon is in the show notes to this episode. Of course, as always, you can find us on Instagram at DropYourBuffsPod. You can find us on Twitter at DropBuffsPod. If you liked this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.